Uh, Please turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 33, the text is uh, Exodus 33, 17 through 23. Uh, Exodus chapter 33, uh, verses 17 through 23. Hear God's word. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, uh, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this passage of Scripture, and we thank you for Uh, the revelation of Your glory. Uh, We thank You that uh, we have the privilege of uh, seeing Your glory in the face of Jesus Christ the Lord. And uh, as we uh, look into this particular text this evening, we pray, Father, uh, that through Jesus Christ, uh, You will be pleased to show us Your glory. And we pray, Lord Jesus, show us your glory. To this end we pray, and to this end we have the privilege of looking into this text this evening. And so we ask these things in the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the only Lord and Shepherd of the sheep. We pray in His name. Amen. Christianity requires change. Not only so, Christianity demands change. And thankfully, Christianity not only demands change, but Jesus Christ, the Lord... Uh, brings about change, the change that is required uh, uh, by uh, God the Father in each one of us. And how does Jesus Christ uh, bring about this change? Uh, He does so by uh, revealing Himself to us, by manifesting Himself to us, by displaying His own glory to us. And he, he does this uh, in His Word. Uh, Jesus Christ reveals Himself to us in His Word. 
What a good thing this is. What a, what a manifestation of grace this is. And Jesus Christ is pleased to reveal Himself to us by the power of His Spirit as He applies the truth of His Word to our hearts personally and individually. And as you and I apprehend the glory of Jesus Christ, He brings about this change that is required in the Christian faith. And since this is the way God operates, if you and I would pray, Lord Jesus, show us Your glory, guess what? We'd be praying in accordance with God's will. We'd be approaching God and asking Him in accordance with His will to show us the glory of Jesus Christ so that we would be changed. And that, I think, is in the bottom the bottom line, the import of the text that's before us. That we should pray. You and I should pray. You should pray, Lord Jesus, show me your glory. And you see this immediately when we get into the text in verses 17 and 18. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Moses had already approached the Lord and pled with the Lord that the Lord would come to the people despite their sin, that He would come to the people and that He would travel with the people and that the distinctive mark that the people would have in the world among all the nations of the world would be the presence of the Lord traveling with them. And now the Lord comes to Moses and said, I will also do the thing which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. The little word favor there is grace. For you have found grace in my sight. And in response, Moses pushes further. And Moses says, I pray you, show me your glory. Now, uh, you'll notice that this little interchange is be, uh, between uh, the Lord and Moses. And uh, uh, verse 17 says, The Lord said to Moses. And uh, verse 19 uh, speaks of uh, the Lord saying, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And verse 21 says, Then the Lord said, and in each of these cases, uh, in the English translation, uh, the word Lord, uh, the title Lord, is all in caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Uh, indicating that in the original language, uh, the uh, uh, title is Jehovah or Yahweh, as uh, the modern uh, translators would put it. 
Now, uh, I've argued this case before that I think rightly understood uh, that we can say Jesus is Jehovah. That Jesus is the Lord. And in the end, it's the glory of Jesus Christ that is at issue here. Now, uh, to help us uh, along this path, uh, once again, uh, keep your finger there in Exodus 33 and turn uh, with me, if you would, to a familiar passage, uh, Romans chapter 10. Uh, Romans chapter 10. And uh, where Paul, uh, the apostle in the, the ninth verse, speaks of uh, confessing Jesus as Lord. It's, it's Romans chapter 10 and uh, verses 9 and following. Uh, follow here now uh, what uh, the Apostle Paul says. Uh, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And the title Lord here uh, indicates that uh, Paul is zeroing in on the great truth that Jesus Christ is the divine being, uh, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, uh, that this is the confession that is required, that if you confess that Jesus Christ is the divine being, the, the, the second person of the Godhead, the one who came into this world and uh, was a man. He was fully God, but He was fully man. If you confess this great truth, uh, you will be saved. And uh, Paul goes on and says, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes in Him, that is the Lord, and uh, verse 11 is a quote from Isaiah uh, 28, for whoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. And there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon Him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And verse 13 is a quote from Joel 2.32. And... Uh, it's the confession of this Lord, who in Joel is Jehovah, Yahweh. And Jesus Christ is being brought together with this idea of Jehovah. And Paul is insisting that you and I confess that Jesus Christ is Jehovah in the flesh. Uh, now, going back to uh, Exodus 33, you see, uh, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, and then Moses said back to the Lord, I pray you, show me your glory. And it seems to me, uh, understanding that Jesus Christ is Jehovah, uh, that to uh, take the step that this is a prayer, this is a request that Moses is making to 
Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Yes, pre-incarnate, to be sure. And yet, uh, this pre-incarnate manifestation of the second person of the Trinity is that which is being spoken of here. I pray you, Lord Jesus, show me your glory. Now, when you dig into this text a little bit further, uh, you find out that uh, the Lord, the Lord answers you and me with regard to this request on His own terms. Verse 19, And He said, that is the Lord, I Myself will make all My goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Lord, show me your glory. The Lord says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. What does the, the glory of the Lord encompass His goodness. The Lord is good. Uh, you, you remember the man who uh, in the Gospels came to uh, the Lord Jesus and he said, Good teacher? <laughs> and, and Jesus respond, responded and said, Why do you call me good? There is no one good but God alone. If you would recognize me as God, which you don't, it would be proper for you to call me good. But since you don't recognize me as God, I ask you, why do you call me good? To be good is to be like God. And the goodness that is to be displayed to Moses is a, a primary characteristic of God Himself. He is the good God. And uh, furthermore, He is the gracious God. I will uh, be gracious to whom I will be gracious. He's already said, Moses, you found favor in my sight. You found grace in my sight. And those of you who are here tonight and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who have been born again of the Holy Spirit and have received the grace of God, you have experienced the graciousness of the good God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is a compassionate God. He is a God who fulfills all of His promises and comes to the likes of you and me to embrace us with love and compassion, with covenant love, in fulfillment of His covenant promises. He is the good and gracious and compassionate God. This is His glory. This is a manifestation of His glory. And 
Uh, as uh, I said a moments ago, uh, the Lord answers and displays His glory. He displays His goodness. He displays His compassion. He displays His grace on His own terms. Notice again, verse 19. All my goodness will pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. You and I are in the best possible place we could be in the hands of the living God. And as that is the case, and we understand our place, we can trust Him as He dispenses in accordance with His own will, His grace and goodness and compassion. In large measure, that, that's why we're here tonight. That's why we're here tonight, and uh, that's why we come, and that's why we sing to the Lord. Because He has freely given to us of His goodness and grace and compassion. And we realize that it's nothing we've done. It's nothing that we could have conceived of ourselves. It's nothing that constrains the Lord to extend that compassion to us. It's freely given to us, mercifully, in accordance with His own will. And uh, the Lord uh, not only answers on His terms, but He even chooses, as the text indicates, the times and places of His self-revelation. Look at verses 21 and 22. Uh, Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by Me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about, while, I, while my glory is passing by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. The time and the place is determined by God, by the Lord. It will come about, verse 22, or verse 21. Uh, 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 behold, there is a place by me. You shall stand there. Moses uh, is at Sinai. And uh, there's a cleft or a cave in the rock. There, there, Moses. There I will meet with you. Uh, Some suppose uh, that this is the very place that later 
Elijah has his meeting with the Lord and goes to the entrance of the cave and hears the still, small voice of the Lord. The place, the place is determined. And then verse 22 again. And it will come about while or in the time my glory is passing by, in the time that I designate, in the place that I designate, and in the time that I designate as my glory is passing by. Uh, yes, it's, it is certain in the text that uh, the time and the place of this manifestation of the glory of the Lord uh, comes uh, to Moses. And uh, friends, it's the same, uh, uh, I would say, with you and with me. The Lord Jesus Christ determines. This, this is one of the wonderful things. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ determines that uh, on His day, the Lord's day, He will manifest Himself to His people. And uh, the place He has designated more particularly to manifest Himself to His people is in the gathering of His people just like this tonight. And you and I need to anticipate the fact that when we come together as God's people, it's not just to carry out certain activities. Sometimes I smile because I think we think about worship as, well, we have a call to worship, we have an invocation, we sing a psalm, we have a psalm explanation. And uh, th this is kind of the order that uh, we go through. And uh, our worship becomes more about what we do. But in actuality, uh, our worship uh, is certainly more about what God is up to. Because part of what God is up to is that He has committed Himself to meet with the likes of you and me in such circumstances to affirm His Word to your heart and my heart and to affirm His covenant promises to us and to affirm the fact that He is our God and we are His people. And so worship... Uh, uh, this circumstance uh, that we're in presently uh, becomes a significant part of the plan and the purpose of God in the revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ to His people to bring about change in our lives. And so, uh, even as He uh, chooses uh, the time and the place and uh, the revelation of His glory is in accordance with uh, His own will. Uh, as you look at the text, uh, one of the other uh, things that you learn is that you cannot bear the fullness of the incomprehensible face 
of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20 now. But he said, the Lord says to Moses, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Now, you scratch your head a little bit here. Because it's just a few verses earlier in chapter 33 and verse 11 particularly that we see that Moses meets with the Lord face to face. Before the tabernacle was built, Moses had a tent that was set outside the camp. And Moses would go out to meet with the Lord there and the Shekinah glory would come down. And the Lord would meet with Moses face to face. This is what verse 11 says. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Moses, the Lord would meet with Moses face to face. And so what does verse 20 say? You cannot see my face. I think the best interpretation here is that you cannot see the fullness of my face and live. This morning... Uh, uh, we heard some uh, uh, from the Gospel of Matthew uh, from our pastor about the transfiguration. And that uh, the face in the transfiguration, the face of our Lord Jesus, shone like the sun. And uh, what did Peter, James, and John do? They fell on their faces. (laughs) They fell on their faces. Uh, In uh, Daniel chapter 10, uh, Daniel has uh, a vision of a a divine being who is described much like Jesus is described at the beginning of the book of Revelation. And when Daniel has that vision... His strength withers. And Daniel 10 says that Daniel's countenance turned pale with a deathly pallor and there was no strength left in him. These are manifestations of the glory of Christ that are not full. And the Bible reminds you and me, does it not? The Apostle John reminds you and me that it's only after Jesus Christ has come a second time in glory and we ourselves are taken to heaven that we will see Jesus Christ as He is in the fullness of His glory. And it's only then, it's only then that you and I will be able to see Him 
in all of His resplendent glory. But until that time, our frail frames cannot withstand the fullness of the penetrating glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what does the Lord do? The Lord in His grace gives Moses and He gives you and me a muted, if you will, a filtered or muted yet life-changing view of Himself. Uh, Look at verses 22 and 23 again. And it will come about, uh, while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. The Lord in His mercy says, Here is the place you are to stand. And when I pass by in the fullness of my glory, I will cover you with my hand because no one can see my face and live in an act of grace and mercy. The Lord covers Moses with his hand so that he is not consumed. And then he says, Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. Not the fullness of the glory. but muted, as it were, in grace, yet life-changing glory. Because what happens to Moses? Verse 28 in uh, chapter 34 says, And so he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights, and he did not eat bread or drink water, and he wrote on the tablets uh, the uh, the uh, covenant, and uh, 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 what was it? Uh, verse twenty nine. And it came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain. That Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of His speaking with Him. That His countenance was changed. And there was a reflection of the glory of Jesus Christ in His person. And I submit to you that this was not just a simple cosmetic external change that took place. No, uh, this was a this was a change that went to the core and the depth of the being of Moses so that the radiance of the glory of Jesus Christ shone from within and was resplendent on the face of Moses life-changing yet muted as it were, 
glory. Uh, you, you remember, don't you? It wasn't that long ago that uh, this uh, total eclipse of the sun took place. And you remember some of the warnings, do you not? Don't look into the sun. Why? It's dangerous. You could be blinded. And uh, so you had to have special glasses or a special filter in order to look at the sun and, and to see uh, the eclipse of the sun. Uh, I remember when I was little, uh, the way we did this is uh, we took uh, microscope slides. Yeah, you remember what those were? Uh, microscope slides. And uh, uh, we would put a candle under them to smoke them up good. And then we'd look through the microscope slide uh, to look at the sun. Uh, to get a filtered or muted view of the sun. And this, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. Uh, by His grace, uh, you see, to give us uh, this muted, as it were, or filtered view of His glory, yet a life-changing view of His glory. And He does so. He does so through His Word. Through His Word. And as you read the New Testament especially, and as you read the Gospels, you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And what a good thing this is. And when the Holy Spirit comes to you and applies those stories and those truths about Jesus to your heart. You are changed. Isn't this what Paul teaches us? That if any person be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and the new has come. And friends, if there's strain and uh, tension uh, between the old and the new, uh, what's the solution? What's the answer? It's a further revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ. And so you and I, you and I should pray. Lord Jesus, show me. Show me Your glory. Show me Your glory. And when you pray that little prayer, when you make that little petition to Jesus Christ, you are praying in accordance with God's will. And He hears you. And it's not just a simple hearing of the ear, but it involves a doing and an actual revelation of Jesus Christ to your heart and to my heart. And so that's, that's the injunction 
the exhortation with which I leave you tonight. Pray. 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 Lord Jesus, show me your glory. Let's pray now. Father, thank you that you are good to us in every respect. And we thank you that of old the display of the glory of Jesus Christ in a life-changing way was made to Moses. And we thank you, Father, that this is an example of your goodness, your grace, your compassion. And so we pray, even now, Lord Jesus, tonight, in this circumstance, through your word, by the power of your Spirit, Lord Jesus, show us your glory. Hear us in uh, your good name, the name of Jesus Christ, the only Lord and Savior. Amen.